Bridge family, it's good to be with you on this Sunday morning. Even though we're still at a, at a distance from each other, uh, it's good to be connected through this online gathering. Uh, we here at the, the Ridge, we love God's Word. We love to, to dive into God's Word together, and we're going to do that here in just a bit. We've been going through a, a sermon series entitled Gospel in Life, and we've been walking through uh, Paul's letter to the church at Corinth here in 1 Corinthians, and we've been doing that for a few months, and this morning we find ourselves in, in chapter 14. And so would you join me this morning as, as we read God's Word in 1 Corinthians chapter 14, we're going to look at verse 20 and 21 and then jump to verse 40. It says, Brethren, do not be children in your thinking. Yet in evil be infants, but in your thinking be mature. In the law it is written, by men of strange tongues and by the lips of strangers, I will speak to this people. And even so, they will not listen to me, says the Lord. Then in verse 40, but all things must be done properly and in an orderly manner. May God bless the reading of his word today. Would you join me in prayer there in your home? Um, let's go to the Lord together. Our Father, you are all-knowing. God, the time that we're in right now, this season we're in, does not surprise you. God, you are all-powerful. God, you are more powerful than any virus, any disease. God, you are loving. God, you are kind. You are merciful. You are a God of, of truth. And you want us this morning to, to come and, and sit under your word, to, to read your word, to hear your word, to, to understand your word, so that we would be set apart as followers of, of Christ uh, to live out your truth, to live out your word, to live out the gospel in the situation we're in right now. Because, God, that's what the gospel is for. It is for life. It's for the ups. It's for the downs. And so, Lord, I, I pray that through the teaching of your word this morning that we would be encouraged, God, that we would be challenged to live out your truth in the here and now. Lord, there are many needs all around us. Some listening this morning have, have some real needs this morning. God, we just pray that you would be their ever-present help. God, that's what your word tells us. It tells us that's who you are. And so would you just take a moment where you're at? We're going to be silent and just speak to the Lord. Anxieties that you may have, worries, needs that you may have, let him know. God tells us to cast our cares, to take our anxieties to him. And then this time we're going to spend together and look at God's word. Would, would you pray and ask the Lord to speak to you, to speak to your heart? to open your eyes, to open your heart to His truth. 
So, Father God, would you do that now as we turn to your word? We pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. God has given us all a mind to think with. In fact, he has given us a mind to love him with, with our thoughts, with our thinking. In Matthew 22, verse 37, Jesus says, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. Here in 1 Corinthians this morning, Paul encourages the church in Corinth with these words because their thinking and their thoughts were not right. In fact, they were wrong about a lot of things. They were lacking wisdom. They were extremely experienced in evil. And so Paul has been talking about the church's view of, of spiritual gifts as we've seen in, in chapter 12 and chapter 13 and chapter 14. And he speaks to them also how they conduct their worship gatherings. And he wants them to get things in order. He, he wants them to get in right order. But for that to happen, their hearts, their mind, their, their thinking, and their life had to change. They needed to get their life in order. And so this morning, what I would like to do is, is to look at verse 20, see what, what Paul's calling the church to, what, what kind of thinking, what, what kind of life, and, and then look at this illustration, look at this picture that he gives us of what really immature thinking looks like, um, what evil living looks like, so that at the end we, we will understand what it means to think maturely. What does that really mean? And then as we close today, we're, we're going to take a step back and, and think how, how this applies to our experience that we're in right now and what we can learn from it, what the Lord wants to teach us with the season that we're in. And so as we look at the text here in verse 20, what is this mature thinking? And in fact, mature thinking, what we're going to find out is that it equals childlike faith. He says in verse 20, brethren, do not be children in your thinking. And so Paul is speaking to the church. He, he said earlier in chapter 13, verse 11, when I was a child, I used to speak like a child. I used to think like a child. I used to reason like a child. But when I became a man, I did away with childish, childish things. You see, as you grow older, you learn how to make right judgments. You learn how to think rightly about things. And so as, as parents, this is what we want for our kids, right? We, we want them to grow to make right choices and to think rightly about things. You see, you don't want your 16-year-old um, to use their mind like a, a six-year-old. That just wouldn't be right. You, you want them to grow in their maturity with their thoughts and which, with what they think. Um, and then Paul says, yet in evil, be infants. Be infants. You see, mature and right thinking produces right living. The church in Corinth was really kind of the church gone wild. They weren't living rightly. And so Paul wants the church to be innocent and evil, to live pure lives. In fact, to the church in Rome, in Romans 16, 19, Paul said this, he says, I want you to be wise in what is good and innocent in what is evil. In 1 Thessalonians 5, 21, Paul talked to the church at Thessalonica and he said, but examine everything carefully. Be thoughtful. Think about what you do. Hold fast to that which is good. Abstain from every form 
of evil. He told the church in Philippi in Philippians 2.15, be blameless, be innocent children of God above reproach in the midst of a crooked, perverse generation among whom you appear as lights in the world. So we're to be infants when it comes to evil. And then he says, in your thinking, be mature. Right thinking, right knowing, the right use of our mind is for the sake of childlike faith. Now, this might at first seem like it goes against what Paul is saying because he just got done saying, do not be children in your thinking, but we are to be in our faith like children. In fact, that's what Jesus said. That's what Jesus called his disciples to, to have a childlike faith. Christ followers were to have a childlike faith. In Matthew 18, two through four, Jesus called a child to himself and set him before his disciples. And he said these words to them, truly I say to you, unless you are converted and become like children, you will not enter the kingdom of heaven. Whoever then humbles himself as this child, he is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. The other day, my wife and I were at the grocery store and we were doing some shopping and, and getting some things for, for uh, meals and, and for our house. And um, to the left of us at, at the register was a mom and she had a stroller. And in the stroller was this young child, a, a young boy. And um, I, I was just thinking as, as anxiety was in the air right? People all around, the, the, the store was packed, the, the shelves were empty. People in the store probably worrying about finances, worrying if, are we got enough toilet paper, are we got enough food, and, and all these things are, are, are real. They're, they're real needs. But I thought, here is this boy in this stroller. He's smiling. He's laughing. He, he's simply being a kid, which he should be. He's not worried about where his next meal is going to come from. His, his mom was filling the bags with food that she was going to bring home and, and feed him and their family with. Um, but he wasn't worried about that because his, he knew his mom was, was there with him, standing with him. His, his mom cares for him. He, he knows that. He wasn't worried about finances because his mom was there. His mom was standing there with him. He, he, he didn't have a worry in the world. You see, God wants us to have that kind of faith, to believe that he is standing with us, that he is standing for us in this very season. You see, he cares for us. He loves us. He is for us, and he will care for us. And so God wants us to have this childlike faith. And, and really, that's what mature thinking looks like. And so here's the question this morning, though, is what is the opposite of that? Because the church was struggling. They, they were struggling with, with having mature thoughts, with thinking maturely. They were struggling with their life. They, they were living in evil ways. They weren't being pure. And so what does this childish thinking, what does this evil life look like that, that Paul is, is trying to get them to change and turn away from? Well, he gives us a picture here in verse 21, and it's a quotation that we have from Isaiah 28, verse 11, that Paul uses. It says, in the law or the Old Testament, it is written, by men 
of strange tongues, and by the lips of strangers, I will speak to this people, and even so, they will not listen to me, says the Lord. Paul gives us an illustration, a a picture, really an object lesson, as he quotes Isaiah 28 here. And in Isaiah 28, Israel, God's chosen people, they they are pictured as really a bunch of drunks. If you go to the chapter, if you read there in Isaiah 28, verse 1, it says, Woe to the proud crown of the drunkards of Ephraim. In fact, Ephraim was one of the tribes of, of Israel. And it says, To the fading flower of its glorious beauty, which is at the head of the fertile valley of those who are overcome with wine. You see, God called them drunks, and maybe some of them were. But he wanted to picture that they were stumbling in life, that they were drifting, they, they were aimless. You see, they were prideful. They, they thought they could do life on their own, that they didn't need God. And so God warns them. He warns the people. He, he warns their leaders that they would be overthrown by an outside enemy, by the Assyrian army. And so Isaiah was God's prophet. He was God's man. He was the chosen messenger to deliver these words of warning to the leaders and to the people. And the leaders we find in this chapter were mocking Isaiah. In fact, in verse 14, Isaiah calls them scoffers because they chose the wrong way. They chose evil and they mocked the right way. They were childish in their thinking. They were evil in their ways. And God was urging them to trust in the Lord rather than relying on these outside foreign nations for their national security. And so Isaiah was giving them the simple truth. The leaders and the people, though, did not want to hear it. They believed they were beyond what Isaiah was teaching. They believed they were intellectually beyond the word of God. And so they sought to debunk everything and believe nothing from God's word. Their hearts truly were hard. Now, isn't it interesting that the more correction we need in life, the less we think we need it. And that's how the Israelites were. They believed that they were so mature in their thinking, but they were really mature in evil. You see, pride is evil. And they were very prideful, thinking that they didn't need God as their master. They didn't need God as their leader. Because of their childish thinking and their evil evil living, through Isaiah, God warns them. God warns them that if they did not change, if they didn't turn to him, that he would teach them by using their foreign speaking enemy to invade them. So basically what that meant is, okay, if you're not going to listen to God in your own language, if you're not going to listen to the simple truth of God in your own language, I'm going to bring the Assyrians in. I'm going to allow them to invade your country. You're going to go through hardship. You're going to go through entrapment. You're going to go through captivity. And I'm going to instead teach you through a foreign king. So here... As we think about what Paul is saying to the church, and as he uses this object lesson, this this picture, this illustration of Israel so many hundreds of years ago, so Paul, like Isaiah, was reminding the church that when people are not willing to listen to simple messages of truth, when the Word of God doesn't move them to change, doesn't lead them to repent, then God will teach them through 
experience. He will bring experiences in to teach them. And so God took the Israelites through the invasion of Assyria to teach them through a leader of a foreign language because they would not learn, they would not listen, they they wouldn't change in response to the simple truth of God taught in their own language. And so God wants us, he, He wants us this morning to listen. He wants us to pay attention to His Word, to the truth of the Gospel, and never think that we're beyond listening to it, never beyond reading it, never beyond obeying it. We will never be beyond it. In fact, God's Word is something that we should read every day, something we should listen to, something we should obey. We need the truth of the Gospel daily. But like the Israelites, God will take us through experiences to experiences to teach us. When he teaches us through experiences, I want you to know it's his kindness. And also for some, it's a merciful wake-up call. So through the experience of the coronavirus, through sheltering in place, through our normal lives being disrupted, through maybe not going to the office, not going to school, to having things in life just change during this time, what will we learn from this experience? Because truly, this is an experience to learn from. And so this morning, I I just wanted to share some some thoughts with you of kind of what the Lord put on my heart that I need to learn, things I'm thinking about, things that maybe we all need to learn and, and think about. The first thing I thought of is that we need God. Sometimes we can be led to pride and, and think we're so advanced, that we're so capable. But think about this, a, a single virus, the coronavirus, has shut down the entire world. It has shut down life as we know it. And so we need to learn and we remember that we were created to be dependent on God, our Creator. We need to be dependent on Him and have childlike faith. In fact, in 2 Chronicles seven fourteen, I love what God says. He says, My people who are called by My name, humble themselves, pray and seek My face, and turn from their wicked ways. And then, when they do that, I will hear from heaven, will forgive their sin, and will heal their land. The second thing I thought about is that God is sovereign. I've been thinking a lot about that as we've been going through this, that God is sovereign and that He is in control. Um, You see, God not only comprehends the coronavirus, He has purposes for it. God does nothing. He permits nothing without wise purposes. In fact, Paul said this in Ephesians 1.11, that God works all things according to the counsel of His will. You see, nothing just happens. Nothing surprises God. Everything flows from the eternal counsels of God. All of it is wisdom. All of it is purposeful. He knows when it began, and He knows when it will end. And so we need to remember through all of this that God is sovereign, that He's in control. And then the third thing is that there's a greater pandemic, and there's a greater cure. You see, this season we are in reminds us that there is a greater and much dangerous pandemic, and it is called sin. We are all infected by it. In fact, in Psalm 51, verse 5, David says, Behold, I was brought forth in iniquity. Romans 3.23, Paul says, All have sinned, all have fallen short of the glory of God. Romans 6.23, Paul says, The wages of sin is death. What does that mean? It means that 
Our sin is deserving of death, eternal death, eternal separation from God forever. You see, sin is more destructive than the coronavirus. But there's good news. There's good news. There is a known cure for the pandemic of sin. You see, God does not want us to perish from the disease of sin. In John three sixteen, it says, For God so loved the world that He gave His one and only Son, that whoever believes in Him, believes in Jesus, will not perish, but will have eternal life. You see, we have the cure for sin, and it is Jesus. It is Jesus. The fourth thing I want you to remember this morning is that we need to get things in right order. We need to ask ourselves, what is truly the priorities of my life? You see, just over two weeks ago, the NBA stopped playing. NHL stopped playing. March Madness was canceled. All sporting events canceled. Concerts canceled. And I'll be honest with you, I, I love, I love sports. I, I love sports. I love to watch my kids play sports. I love watching March Madness. I, I love the Cinderella stories of college basketball, those um, lower-ranked teams coming in and knocking off those higher-ranked teams. I, I love March Madness. But the stoppage and the removal of all of this must teach us something. It must teach us truly what is important. It must cause us to ask that. What is important? What are we giving our time to? What are we giving our life to? And so let us do as, as Jesus encouraged us to do in Matthew six thirty three. He says, seek first God's kingdom and God's righteousness. So may we reset our priorities during this time. Priorities to when it comes to the Lord, when it comes to our family, and other priorities in our life. But let's begin with Jesus being our all in all, being our everything. Let us give our life away, living for Him. And then the fifth thing, we need others. I don't know if you've sat back and thought about that during this time, but we need community. We, we whether we're introverts or extroverts, we were created for community. And so think about it. Phones and, and FaceTime, text. YouTube, Facebook, Twitter, all these great online resources that are huge during the season we're in. They're so helpful. We get to do so many things through those online resources. But think about it. Do they truly give us community? Sure, they're, they're helping with that. I mean, as a church, we're gathering on Zoom. We're, we're talking with each other. We're, we're going through the Bible together. We're, we're praying. And man, I tell you what, when my family met last Sunday with our life group, I, I felt like we were having fellowship. It, it was great. But these online resources cannot replace presence. They, they, they cannot replace people being with each other. And, and a lot of us are, are missing that. We're, we're longing for that. Um, we're having a hard time not being around people. Now, sure, they may, there may be a few. They're like, no, I'm, I'm good with this. I'm, I'm good with this. But really, when it comes down to it, we were created for community. In fact, in Ecclesiastes 4.9, it says two are better than one. In verse 12, it says a cord of three strands is not quickly torn 
apart. You see, all this technology, all these devices, they cannot replace the presence of people. We need people. I cannot wait till when this season passes, till we get to gather again with each other in community, in corporate gatherings, in person. That's going to be sweet. Then the last thing I want to share with you, number six, this is not our home. This, this is not our final destination. You see, for believers, our final destination is with Jesus forever, whether in heaven when we pass away one day or when Jesus returns and ushers in the new heaven and the new earth. In fact, in Revelation 21.4, it says, when we're in the presence of Jesus, face to face with him, that he will wipe away every tear from our eyes. He will no longer, there will no longer be any death and there will no longer be any mourning or crying or pain. That's our final destination. I can't wait. I can't wait. This is not our home. So let us learn from this experience. May we not be childish in our thinking. Let us be innocent of evil. Let us be mature in our thinking and have childlike faith. You may be sitting in your home this morning, watching online, and maybe you've never said yes to Jesus before. Maybe you've never trusted in Jesus Christ as your Savior with that childlike faith. Let me encourage you not to reject God's truth today. Don't reject the gospel, but say yes to Jesus. Don't be like the Israelites, but believe in Jesus Christ. Say yes to him today. Jesus died for you. He is the cure for sin. Believe that today. If you trust in Jesus today, we'd love to hear back from you. Down in the comment section, would you let us know? Would you maybe just write a note and say, I said yes to Jesus today. I trusted in Jesus with childlike faith. And we simply want to follow up with you and encourage you. I want to thank you for joining us today here in our online gathering. It's been great. It's been good to be with you. I know it's different. I know we miss being with each other. But the Lord is going to walk with us through the season. He's with us. He's, he's near to us. And so trust Him through this season. And so may the Lord bless you. May the Lord keep you. May His face shine upon you. May He be gracious to you as you seek to exalt Him in everything you do. Have a good Sunday.